After a turbulent week for the Jets, we turn to your questions. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Wednesday, November 17th, 2021, and I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thank you so much for making this show your first listen each day. Today we have our weekly mailbag ahead on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to our weekly mailbag show. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. We begin with a question from Joe who asks, how has Connor McGovern played? Well, Joe, thank you for the question. I think it's interesting. Last year, the Jets gave free agent contracts to two offensive linemen, George Fant and Connor McGovern. And to be fair, I think both of them were disappointments in the first year of the contract. In year two, however, I think both of them have played pretty well and been worth the money the Jets have paid them. Now, is McGovern Nick Mangold? No. Is he Kevin Mawai? No. But the Jets have had dismal play from the center position since Nick Mangold retired. You go back to Wesley Johnson. Yeah, that was one of the weirdest things. It was back in 2016, for whatever reason, people convinced themselves Wesley Johnson played well in place of Nick Mangold. And one of those people who convinced themselves that was Mike McCagnan because he re-signed Wesley Johnson to be the center in 2017, and it was ugly. And then in 2018, the Jets went out and got Spencer Long in free agency, and again it was ugly. And then in 2019, Joe Douglas talked Ryan Khalil out of retirement prior to training camp, and that was ugly. And through these seasons when there was an injury, Jonathan Harrison would come in and play center, and that was ugly. It's not ugly anymore with Connor McGovern. He's playing pretty well. You know, not everybody is a superstar. Not everybody's an all-pro. McGovern's not. He's not the problem on the offensive line. And I think we all know the problem on the offensive line is at the right guard position. But he's providing stability. Now, he hasn't been perfect. I mean, on that play on Sunday when Mike White, it was right before the halftime where he got hit, Originally, it was ruled a fumble, and then it was an incomplete pass. Guy went right up the middle, and there was miscommunication between McGovern and, I believe, Vera Tucker, and you you can't allow a guy to just go right up the middle. Nobody picked him up. So McGovern has not been perfect, but I think he's been worth the money, to be honest with you. I think he's provided what you wanted. I I don't think anybody was expecting him to be an all-pro-level player. I just think that he was brought in to stabilize a position that had no stability for years. And I think for the most part, especially this season, he's done that. And, you know, Fant is a guy who I think has played very well in place of Mekhi Becton and also been worth the money. So I think the Jets, these spots are getting good production out of their offensive line. Now, right guard, maybe not as much. Next question, is Morgan Moses an underrated free agent signing? You know, I think Moses has been up and down this season. I wouldn't say it's underrated because I think at the time... Everybody thought it was a good move. And although I I got to be honest with you, I'm a little disappointed in what Moses has done. He's not been a disaster at right tackle. And what he gave the Jets as much as anything is depth. Because if Morgan Moses isn't here, I don't know what they're doing at right tackle. I think it really came into play when Makai Becton got hurt week one. Because you have to remember, Moses was actually a backup at the beginning of the season. And Fant was playing terribly in that game against Carolina, so I'm not, you know, I'm not sure it was, he was an underrated signing. I think people understood at the time it was a move that made sense. And as much as anything, you know, the Jets were paying Fant a lot of money. I, I thought Fant was going to be a backup immediately, 
and the Jets were paying Fant a lot of money, and he was going to be maybe the highest paid backup in the league at the tackle position. But I was okay with it because there are not many teams that have offensive line depth in this league. Offensive line play has become very difficult to find, at least quality offensive line play in this league. So the fact that Moses came in, it gave the Jets three tackles they can count on. And that's a very good thing. So, you know, again, I don't think, to be honest with you, I've been a little disappointed in the way Moses has played. But ultimately, it still is a signing that makes sense because having three tackles in this league is something that you want. That's my goal. If you're building a team, if I was building a team, I'd want three tackles who I thought were starting caliber. And there are not many teams who have that. So I think he has been a, a guy who's made sense for the Jets. And I think he's been a guy who's, you know, even though even though he hasn't been quite as good as I was hoping he would be, he's been a guy who's brought value for the Jets because they've been able to withstand that injury to Becton. Our next question, there's been a lot of negativity and understandably so. What are three things you point to as hope for the future, excluding Zach Wilson? Oh, excluding Zach Wilson. Well, I, I don't know if you can exclude Zach Wilson because a lot of the future is built around him. But okay, if we're excluding Zach Wilson, I'd say... Number one, the rookies outside of Zach Wilson, you're getting results from them. There's a difference between rookies getting playing time and rookies going out there and playing well. And in recent years, the Jets have had a lot of rookies getting playing time, especially near the end of the season as starters have gotten hurt. You've seen rookies get into the, the lineup and you see them like make one play and people, I think, have kind of overrated their future. I mean, I remember that happened with Justin Burris near the end of his first year. You go back to Lorenzo Malden in context, his rookie year was actually kind of decent. Just because you're playing as a rookie doesn't mean that you're a good player necessarily. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to take that experience and do anything with it. The Jets have rookies who are playing well this season. I think Vera Tucker, now Vera Tucker, I thought had a rough game against Buffalo. And there have been some rough moments for him, but I think he's handled the transition pretty well. I think we know Elijah Moore hasn't been quite what we were hoping for, but he's begun to come on in recent weeks. And then both Michael Carters are playing pretty well. I mean, Michael Carter II out of the slot has really locked down a position a lot of us were worried about. And I gave him a little bit of a better shot than I would your typical fifth-round pick because for whatever reason... In the NFL, if you look at the great slot corners in this league, there are lots of late-round picks and non-drafted guys. So that is a spot where your odds of hitting are a little bit higher than in your typical position. But he's played well. I mean, he's handled that position very effectively, a position that was a spot of concern. And then the original Michael Carter, he looks like a player at running back. So you've got young talent there. So that's number one. The rookie class is producing. Number two, and I know... We're going to get some eye rolls over this, but listen, the Jets do have a lot of resources this offseason. Lots of extra draft picks. They're going to have a decent amount of cap space to spend in free agency. And I know things haven't gone that well, but there are tools to make a pretty quick turnaround. There are tools to improve the talent level on this roster quite a bit this offseason. Now, I know you get the people picking these players, their record has been very up and down. But if they have a big offseason, this team could be vastly improved next season. I know you've heard that over and over and over, including last year, and it hasn't really worked out that well, so I understand your skepticism. But there is an opportunity. Just because you've failed to take advantage of other opportunities doesn't necessarily mean you're going to fail to take advantage of the one in front of you. So that's number two. 
And number three is they're going to be able to evaluate in the offseason what worked and what didn't this season. You know, this is the first year of a new coaching staff, and there's always a bit of turbulence in a situation like that. The head coach, especially a first-time head coach, is kind of figuring out what he likes, what he doesn't like. I'm sure there are going to be changes to the coaching staff after the season. I'm sure they've gotten an opportunity to see what's worked, what hasn't, which players they want to build with going forward and who they haven't. I think when you're in year one of a rebuild, there's a lot of guesswork that goes into it. You're taking educated guesses about who you think will work, who you think won't work. And this is true of both coaches and players. It's true of what schemes you want to run. It's a chance to adjust in the offseason. So I would expect there to be changes in the offseason that maybe fit a little bit better with what the Jets want to build. Now ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we'll talk about the job security of some of these coaches. We'll also compare this year's team to the 2020 Jets. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called GetUpside. And my listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two or $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. Again, that's the GetUpside app, promo code TOUCHDOWN. Thanks again for making Locked On Jets your first listen each day. We continue our weekly mailbag show with our next question. John, do you think this team may be worse than last season? Last year's team was at least competitive in five or six games. This year's team has really only been competitive in the two games that they've won. You know, at some point, I think these arguments don't really make a difference. I mean, who cares if last year's team was a little bit worse or a little bit better than this year's team? Ultimately, it's about progress. And the fact that we're asking this question shows that to this point, we have not yet seen enough progress. Now, there's still a long way to go, however. The final eight games of the season could tell us a very different story, and we're at a point where the schedule is beginning to open up a bit for the Jets. You know, These opponents that they will be facing are not going to be as tough, so things could change a bit. Now, if, I mean, if you want me to answer the question directly, I'd probably take this year's team because they've won two games. They've shown an ability to close things out. Last year's team was 0-9 at this point. The Jets are 2-7 right now, so... From that standpoint, I guess you'd have to take this year's team because they've actually won games on like last year's team. But the fact we're even asking this question is a pretty negative thing at this point in time. We did not want to be nine games into the season wondering whether this year's team is worse than last year's team. And I go back to something I've said the last couple of days. What bothers me is not so much the losing. It's that the Jets have looked worse as the season has progressed. In the early going, I mean, I actually thought they were they were competitive in the Carolina game, especially in the second half. I mean, they were competitive in the Atlanta game. They fell behind, but they fought back, and they actually gave themselves a shot in those games in the fourth quarter if they could have gotten the defensive stop in either of those games. And even New England week two against when Zach threw those four interceptions, outside of the quarterback, they played pretty well. 
these last couple of weeks, though, they have not been competitive at all. And that's the, the problem. But long season to go. This answer could be very different if the team begins improving. And that's the thing I'm looking for as we move forward in this season. Next question. With a lot of holes on the team, what positions are you looking at with the two first-round picks? Would you prioritize defense because of the holes or offense to continue to build around Wilson? Obviously, depending on who is available at our picks. And thank you for that disclaimer. That's the disclaimer I always use. I think when you're like the Jets, you have to be careful by becoming too fixated on position. It matters. Listen, it absolutely matters. I mean, I, in years past, have talked about the need to draft offensive linemen. I'm not saying position is an irrelevant consideration, but as much as anything, you just need impact players early in the draft. You can't get too focused on position. It matters, but it's not the only thing that determines who you pick. So I think you have to be a little bit careful. And I think one of the most dangerous things you can do going into the draft is saying, I need to get a player at this position with this pick. Again, there are exceptions. You know, a couple of years ago, when the Jets needed to build their offensive line, and you saw that there were four quality prospects, and you knew at least one of them was probably going to be available for the Jets, okay, then you can focus on position a little bit more. But this current Jets team, I think you got to just try and focus as much as anything on building impact talent, a base of impact talent. Now, if you're asking me, what would I prioritize? I think you, I'd always prioritize building around the quarterback, so I'd probably lean a little bit. All things are equal. I know how bad the defense has been. I'd probably use building around Zach Wilson as a tiebreaker, but it's probably not going to be my primary consideration. Next question. With the, line with the linebackers in the secondary, I can at least understand that they are playing late-round rookies and second-year players, but can you offer any explanation as to how or why the defensive line has played so poorly poorly this season, especially against the run. I can't. It makes no sense to me. And that's the thing I've been saying myself when I've been speaking with some people that I know. I can get why the corners and the safeties have been so bad. The safeties especially, because without Marcus May or Marcus Joyner, you have really bad safeties. I can understand the linebackers. You got C.J. Mosley, who's very rusty after missing two seasons. And listen, we saw firsthand with Le'Veon Bell how much missing time can impact you. And Mosley has kind of taken on a different role from the one that he had success with earlier in his career. You heard all about in the offseason how he tried to get faster, how he, he's playing lighter this season. He dropped weight in the offseason. And next to him, Jared Davis, who missed you know the first half of the season and had really not been very good since he returned to the lineup. And you have Quincy Williams, who had pretty much like one great game against Tennessee, and aside from that, has looked very much like a guy who was not good enough to be on the Jaguars. That's how the Jets got him. He had one really good game against Tennessee, and aside from that, has been not very good. But, you know, you have explanations for why these guys are struggling. The corners, you know, you late-round picks, guys who did not have great draft pedigree. The defensive line has players. And that's what I don't get. And you could explain it partially by saying, okay, well, these defensive linemen have to protect the linebackers. These are not linebackers who can shed blocks. So that means they can't penetrate enough. That means their job is more to hold the point of attack, tie up blockers. But they're not doing that. I would have that as an excuse if, like, there were low sack totals, but they were playing effectively but they're not holding up when the, you know when these guys are asked to two gap they're not holding up 
So they're just not playing well. I have no explanation for it. This is a line that actually has talent. That's one of the spots on, that's the one spot on this defense where there's actual talent. I don't. I have no explanation for it. These guys need to be better, and they should be better. I got nothing. Now ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we will finish our weekly mailbag. We'll talk Robert Sala. We'll talk expectations for the final eight games. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar ever. And if you, you haven't tried Built Bar by now, you're missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to eat. But a Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. They're really good. I mean, I, I have to tell you, it tastes like a candy bar. These bars are low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high in protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of being purely delicious, and there are so many flavors. Coconut raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry barcia. And better yet, this month, Built is coming out with new limited-time flavors every three to four days. So check their website often. You don't want to miss out. It, the website is built.com, B-U-I-L-T.com, and if you go there and make an order... Use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. Again, the promo code is LOCKED15. It's one word with no space. L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five, for 15% off at built, B-U-I-L-T, dot com. Now, before we get back to our mailbag, I also want to tell you about Bet Online, which remains your number one spot for all the football action and the basketball action this season. They are back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. That's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Mailbag Wednesday show. Our next question, if the Jets go at least 4-4 four and four in the second half, would you consider it successful? I'd consider that very successful. I think heading into the season, if you got to six wins, that was probably like the, somewhere around the target point. And that means that the Jets beat the teams. I'm not going to say they beat the teams they should beat because I'm not sure that there's anybody the Jets should beat, but it means that they performed well against teams that are roughly equal in talent level because you're coming up against a stretch where you have two games against Miami, you've got Houston, you've got Jacksonville, you've got Philadelphia, you've got some winnable games in the stretch. So I think it means the Jets acquitted themselves very well, and maybe they even upset a Buffalo or a Tampa Bay the last two weeks of the season. I think that would be excellent. I, I don't know that that's necessarily what you need to have success. I think probably the bare minimum for us to consider this season somewhat successful, at least a sign that things are moving somewhere in the right direction, probably five. I think if we fall below five, it's very difficult to say that the, the, the season is anything other than a failure. Next question, do you see a possibility where Salah is one and done, or is he back next year even if the Jets lose every remaining game? Well, that's a good question. I mean, listen, with the Johnson brothers, I could never rule anything out 100%. I mean, this is the ownership that fired Mike McCagnan after the draft, 
listen, there are teams that make GM changes after the draft, but those teams don't make changes after they allow the GM to radically reconstruct the roster by with going on a spending spree and then drafting, you know, a new core player. That was different than any other situation I've ever seen where the team made a GM change after the draft. The Woody Johnson in particular is very unpredictable. So, yes, there's always a scenario. I would be surprised, though, if the Jets made a tra- change. And I'll tell you why, above all else, is if you just go to what they said before the season, I think they went in feeling like they did not have a lot of talent, like this was the beginning of their build, like they were expecting to be bad with a bad record. And that's Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. So I don't think that there were expectations this was going to be a playoff team. I don't think there were expectations this was going to be a team with a winning record. I think that this was a situation where they went in knowing it was going to be a struggle, perhaps more of a struggle than you or I were hoping for. So I feel like with that in mind, I'd be really surprised. But you can never rule anything out with Woody or Chris Johnson. Next question, John. It appears to me that Robert Sala's demeanor on the sideline has changed since the bye week. Before the bye, he was energetic and running up and down the sideline like Pete Carroll. He had the same energy with the 49ers. Now he appears to be trying to project calmness and appears almost glum like a Bill Belichick. Do you think this lack of energy is affecting the players? The defense may not have much talent, but there appears to be no energy or effort either. Is it a reflection of Sala's calm, we are a family attitude? You know, I think it's difficult to read into a coach's sideline demeanor. And I think as much as anything, the narrative is kind of written based on the team's success or lack of it. I remember when Eric Mangini was first hired. That first year, the Jets won 10 games. Jets were supposed to be the worst team in the NFL in 2006. They were consensus. And if they weren't going to be the worst team, they were going to be at the absolute bottom of the league. And Mangini came in and they took advantage of a soft schedule. They kind of snuck up on everybody and they won 10 games and made the playoffs. And all the talk was Mangini brought professionalism. You know, there was no crazy antics on the sideline. He was, it was all businesses. It was all business because he had a very business-like demeanor on the sideline. Then the next two years, the Jets did not do so well. They went four and twelve his second season, and then year three was the Favre year where they started off eight and three and they collapsed down the stretch. And all of the analysis was man, they lost because Mangini didn't have any passion. Now, this was the same guy. It was a guy who had the exact same demeanor the years he won and the years he lost. And the demeanor was used as a rationale for them winning the first year. And that same demeanor was used as an explanation for them not winning the next two years. I don't know how much the coach's demeanor really matters. To be honest with you, I haven't paid attention enough to Salah's demeanor on the sideline. And you have to remember, the stuff we see is a small fraction of Salah's actions on the sideline. They only go to him after a play. So you don't know what he's doing from play to play. You don't know what he's doing between plays. I think ultimately, though, people, when you win, people take something like this and say, that's the reason you're winning. When you lose, you could do the exact same stuff, and people could say, that's the reason you're losing. And I, and I think it's difficult to compare demeanor from, you know, the first game to right now. I mean, I I don't know how one would quantify Salah's demeanor the first couple of games of the season and whether it was more passionate than what we're seeing now. So, I mean, I kind of feel like, no, I don't think that that's the issue here. I don't know why the Jets have been so lackadaisical. I don't think it's Salah's demeanor, though. And our last question, John, could you bring on guests who have differing opinions from you from time to time? 
With guests, you are very agreeable, and some debates slash disagreements could make for different viewpoints. That said, I'm not requiring any fake-generated debates, and I'm still a fan. Well, I actually do bring on guests who have different opinions than me. I do it pretty frequently. In fact, I do that for a reason, because I want you to get other opinions. But what I don't like, and I don't want to turn this podcast into, like, first take, where I'm screaming at somebody, and, you know, we're having this awful debate, and it's really tough to listen to. So what I do is I bring on guests who have different opinions from me. And if you're paying, you know, if you notice, sometimes people will say something radically different from what I said the previous day on the show. But, you know, they're my guest. They're being nice. They're coming on my show. I don't want to be rude to them. And I want to give them a chance to state their opinions. Because, listen, I'm not right 100% of the time. And that's part of the reason I bring them on is because I want to be able to give you a different perspective on something. Give you a different way of thinking on something. But... You know, I don't like the idea of this turning into like one of those debate shows. I think the I think many of these debate shows you see on, on sports media are really contrived and it's really difficult to watch. And it's part of the thing that motivated me to start doing a podcast because I don't like that. So I wanted to do something a little bit different. And, you know, if you prefer those shows, no hard feelings. You know, I'm sure that my podcasts are not for everybody. Just like those debate shows you see, those contrived debate shows you see on ESPN are not really for me. Now, I'm not saying I'd never debate somebody, but I would want it to be fun. I'd want it to be like one of my friends. You know, if I ever found a friend who, you know, we have fun together and we have laughs and we could debate stuff, I, you know, I wouldn't mind doing that. The problem, though, I think is there are some very good debate shows, like Pardon the Interruption. I love that when Kornheiser and Wilbon argue with each other. I've been watching that. I've watched that show forever. It's a lot of fun because you can tell they like each other. You can tell they're having fun. There's no hard feelings. They're joking around. That's a great show. The problem is people have seen that concept and they try and copy it. And when you try and copy a concept, it's usually not as good as the original. You're usually just a kind of a cheap knockoff. So I'm going to do this. You know, I'm doing my best. I, I think you have to be yourself, though. So I absolutely bring on guests and I want to continue bringing on guests with different perspectives from me because I think the more perspectives you get, the better you are. But, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to be rude to guests and I don't want to turn this into first take. So I, I, I don't know if that answers the question. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Lockdown Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, give it a five-star review and please subscribe. Hope you have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.